I'm Kate. I'm Laura. And what is very exciting is that we are currently sitting just about, well, we're sitting two metres away from <laughs> each other in a private garden as the government regulations allow us to we do. We are not breaking it. We went to, we went and had a takeout lunch. Yeah, we sat outside. It was a little bit cold. Then we went for a walk and it rained. That's okay because we're wearing coats. Um, and now, now we're sitting in the garden. Yeah. Together. So, so nice to be together. And we do a little Bible study thing on a Thursday afternoon um, with someone. And he was so surprised we when got... we appeared on the screen together. Yeah, exactly. With my little dog in between us. Yeah. Who is in his crate barking incredibly loudly. He is. He's sad that he can't join for the pod today. But, but... we thought maybe he would just spend the whole time barking. And then I'd have to take him into the garden and shout, Go potty, Charlie Parker. Go potty. Go potty. Yeah. <laughs> But me and Kate are physically together today, but we have been joined by some very special guests. And we only allow people on the podcast who are very special. Exactly. Not just any old riffraff. <laughs> exactly. Only the highest quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're joined online today um, by two ordinance. Two fellow ordinance. One who's at Wycliffe and one who's at Cranmer. Yeah. And so what we'll do is ask them to introduce themselves now. But Augustine, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Augustine Tanneride, and I'm from Chicago, Illinois, uh, and I'm a final year ordinate at Cremna Hall, St. John's College, University of Durham. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us. And Oyen. And um, yes, my name is Oyen Oladipo. I am originally from Nigeria, um, and I'm an ordinate from Chelmsford Diocese, which is East London and all of Essex, studying at Wycliffe. And you're a Wycliffe with Woo! these cool cats. Yeah. Um, and we invited you guys, and I was very surprised that you said, yes, I'd like to do this, because I thought these people have clearly got a lot of stuff to do with their time, and our little podcast is arranging. So we are so grateful that you were willing to come on this podcast, because we really wanted to um, take some time just to talk about the, the experience of being a black ordinand. Um, obviously, this is, well, not obviously, but this is not an experience that we have. Um, we are in our colleges. Um, we look around the classroom, and most of the people who are in our year look like us, and have had similar experiences to us. So we wanted to, you know, this podcast is about being an ordinand, and we wanted to understand and hear from um, some fellow ordinands who could speak about race in the specific context of being an ordinand. Yeah. So one of the things that we've talked about on our podcast is part of our is our discernment journey and how we've come to terms with that and how we've heard God's call and what have been our particular challenges and opportunities. Um, so perhaps you could both just give us a little um, sort of brief overview of your discernment journey. Augustine, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was raised in Chicago by Jehovah's Witness uh, parents, um, Jehovah's Witness family, whole thing. Um, my grandparents were Christians, but they left being uh, Christians because they saw the hypocrisy of the church, and especially when it deals with race. Um, so they converted to being Jehovah's Witness, and that's how I was raised. And that's the only thing I knew. So no birthdays, no holidays, no Christmases, and definitely no liturgical seasons. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was definitely my background. And then at 14, I became a Christian through the Assembly of God. Um, saw all kind of signs and wonders at the summer camp. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in, let's go, um, and be, um, and became a Christian. Um, uh, while went to uh, a Christian university in Chicago, and um, as a Pentecostal, and it was a very reformed, conservative, evangelical institution, and left Episcopalian. 
So um, which is quite a different theological spectrum altogether. Um, but then while at the time I found, uh, basically found the Book of Common Prayer, um, started praying it, and um, was very much, I, I really feel called to England. So in 2013, with 500 pounds and a plane ticket, I went to Liverpool to go work, and went from Liverpool, then I moved to Chalmfordati, where I'm an ordinary um, to East London Essex, and then to Dorset, then to Sweden, to work with Sweden for a bit, then to Bramner Hall, where I am currently. Oh my goodness. And what was the discernment process for you like? Was it quite straightforward? No, it was like pretty horrible. Uh, <laughs> um, so I've worked in England um, 2013. I haven't got paid. Uh, I haven't had a salary in 2013. And it was a lot of proving myself, proving that I could do this and do that. I already had a master's degree, um, but I still was um, had to prove myself because I didn't speak the right way. I didn't um, look the right way. Um, most of my friends who started the discernment process with me are now in their final year theoristics. Wow. Um, so almost, I, almost no one that I know who started to the process with me is training. It all kind of zoomed past. Even some of the people in college, I remember one girl um, talking to, and she did the whole district, like, started talking with DDO to starting college in nine months. So, um, and for me, it took four years, full-time for you. You've done so, four um, years of full-time yeah. training? Four, four years full-time proving myself through internships and placements before I actually got a, um, a bath. Wow. And was anything, like, explicitly said to you? Um, someone actually said that they thought that I was angry, aggressive, and people were afraid of me, which oh. I think um, my brother here would probably probably have heard that before from people. Um, that is a kind of a go-to, kind of, you know, in Christianity terms, if you say what verse, you have to say John 3.16. It's a go-to racist thing for a black man. They call say they're you're afraid of him and he's unapproachable. You're scared of him. Um, that's a common thing that they say to black people, and which is interesting because when I was a teacher, the biggest issue I had was they said you are way too soft. You need to be harsh on the kids more. So um, so yeah, so that it was it, it was it's been a difficult sermon journey for sure. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. Gosh. And Oyen, can you tell us a bit about your discernment journey? How long was it? I mean, let me start by saying, um, Augustine was right. I've been told before, um, don't you know that you're a big black man and people are scared of you? I can't, I'm sorry if I sound like the most naive, stupid person, but having known you since September, I am not afraid of you. Like, you are lovely and kind and friendly. I find that so astonishing. Well, that was said in charge after I preached, after I preached a sermon on racism. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, my discernment journey was, um, it was quite straightforward from the moment I, so, um, grew up in Nigeria, wanted to be a Catholic priest, so I knew from day one that I was supposed to be a minister, um, left the Catholic Church at age, age 17, became a Pentecostal, um, did that for a number of years, came to England as a Pentecostal, Became a Pentecostal ordained minister then, joined the Church of England, and um, served for a while in, Cham- in um, St. Auburn's Diocese, then moved to Chelmsford Diocese, served for a while to, to prove myself um, for like five years, no, four years. Um, 
after which I then started the official discernment process. And um, a year after I started, I found myself as Wycliffe um, studying. But what I did, because I love theology, what I did was whilst I was going through the discernment process and I was a teacher in London, I came to Wycliffe to study as an independent student because I thought, listen, you're a minister anyway, whether you're a Church of England minister or whether you're a minister in another church, this is what God has called you to do. So you might as well educate yourself. Hence my coming to Wycliffe. And um, yeah, that's my journey in, in brief. Great, thank you. And so then we, you came back into the, you came into the second year of Wycliffe, and we get to be in class together, which is so fun. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, and so we were hoping that you'd both be able to share a little bit about what your college experience has been like. Um, um, highlights, lowlights, challenges. Yeah, my college experience has been really, really interesting. Um, so. Um, it's similar, Crowner is similar to Wycliffe in the sense that it is um, a part of the university, but it would be like, if you don't know how it is, it's like um, if an Oxford college, regular college, had ordinance in it, living alongside people who were non-Christians as well. So, um, so, that's, so that's quite a unique setup, without a doubt. Um, um, and now we're the only residential, normal residential theological college in the northern province as well. So, um, yeah, so it was, it's been really interesting. Um, I'll be honest, um, Durham is in a completely white working class part of the country. Um, so you know you're never going to be at a church if someone looks like you, obviously. Um, but you did choose that. Um, the, the staff, there was no one who wasn't white on staff at the whole college, or basically in the whole de- on the whole department of theology and religion, there was only one non-white person. Um, so it was really interesting, but I was, um, I, I never, I didn't really like theological college, I'll be honest. Um, I haven't really liked it. Um, I love being able to meet with my non-Christian friends, um, at Durham and share the gospel. I got to see 34 people come and know Jesus during theological college, not ordinary, obviously, non-Christian people. Um, and that was amazing. And that's, that was a passion really great. Um, but if I did do it again, I probably, uh, may want to, so I probably went to the same place, but I genuinely enjoyed being in Durham and loved my place and things like that. Um, but overall, people did not have an understanding at all of, um, of when it came to race and diversity um, whatsoever. Um, but I don't think people really cared, if I'm honest. So. I mean, I remember a conversation with Oyen where he said, there is no one at college on the staff who's black. And I remember thinking, well, what are they meant to do? So I literally have been the respondent of, of not showing enough care and I at this present moment in time I'm just absolutely lamenting the fact that I have not seen this and I said to Laura I've always said to myself women need to be leading churches you can't be what you can't see churches need to have women up front and why have I never applied that to race like I can't believe that about myself um Oyen do you want to tell us a bit about what college has been like for you um, you're forgiven, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, college for me has been, I don't want to use the word good, it's been a mixture of a lot of things. In the first place, um, I'm glad I'm, I'm back at Wycliffe. Um, I've been here before, I love what I what I was taught, I love the tutors, I love everything. Um, however, when I first got to college, it was difficult to make friends. Um, of course, because... I'm different. 
Um, so the few friends I made were those who had been here before. So like Jacobs, then Wesley reached out. But I found it hard to make friends among English people for some reasons. Jacobs is Latvian, Wesley is American. Um, and I've had to do what I hate doing, become very chatty, try to make friends. And in some quarters, it came across as forcing myself on people, which then made me retreat into my shell, which then meant I had to go to London. If you remember, ladies, at Michaelmas time, I went to London every weekend mm. because I just couldn't stay at Wycliffe. Um, and, and then again, the fact, and I, I said this to Michael two days ago, and he was like, what? He was so dazed. But that's what it is. I remember, if you remember, there are times I don't go to supper. It's because few times I've been there, nobody talked to me. People just, I'm so sorry, but there was this white couple sitting together. And, <sighs> sorry, um, you're thinking, I can't even talk about it now. But then um, the fact that there are no white black members of staff also did affect me. The curriculum is very white. And um, I've had a conversation with a, one of the tutors here, and she said to me that, oh, you know, I'm going to review my reading list. And one of the things I'm seeking to do now is I'm, comp I'm making a list of black theologians that I know that I can introduce to you know our tutors and say, please just go through their readings, their writings, if there is anything you can make use of. I love the academics. I love, but the fact that I'm the only black ordinary doesn't just, it kind of lowers your morale. I've had to fight twice as hard to be hurt. And that's not a good experience. Mm. Yeah. How do you think colleges and the whole kind of structure of the discernment process, how could it be better? Um, I think the key word here is listening. You see, colleges should be aware that where the Church of England is right now, is the Church of England is making moves to have more black and minority ethnic people come in. So colleges should be, I think the word is intentional and preemptive in making room for people like us in, in, in the curriculum, in the student bodies, in, 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 in the academic bodies and, you know, you know and departments. Be preemptive. We are coming anyway. The church wants us to come. England is very diverse and multicultural. The colleges should also reflect that. Mm -hmm. The discernment process, in my experience, again, is very white. I'd like to see more BAME advisors, for example, you know, um, yeah, I think that's what I can say for now. I'm sure Augustine has more to say. Yeah, I think it's a determined journey. I think, I think one of the, in theological colleges, I would say, one of the most important things to me is a quote that one of my professors said um, in America. Um, he was an Asian American man. He said um, that any that any white person that tries to teach or disciple a person of color, if you have not also been discipled by someone of color, then you're not a disciple, you're a colonialist. It's quite a you know, deep thing to say, call someone colonialist. But for most of us, colonialism is bad. Some, some people think it's good. Um, so I think it's one of those things. You know, I, I think so my, my college principal if I'm honest, 
um, has never had anybody whatsoever, an authority or even a friend, who was non-white. So he doesn't get it at all. Um, and most of the staff doesn't get it either. Um, so I think it's um, I think it's people just having fear. And also, I'd say, and I know this is going to be quite harsh, but you saying, oh, I've been to Uganda on a tri- trip with the Anglican Church, and I, I felt how you felt with those. It was really weird. Yeah, but whiteness is always positive. <laughs> um, you look at it. I don't think I don't think any white person ever saying I know what it's like to feel racism is ever genuine or in any way can we have no experience you know I can sometimes I think I've probably been guilty of thinking well it's a little bit like being a woman in the discernment process but actually I think I'm realizing now it's not even like that yeah I think what I think what's what's difficult about I think about you know, the three big issues in the church is race, sexuality, and gender. You know, those, those are the big three issues. Two of them, people argue until they're blue in the face about what side they're on. Race is not something that is really a legitimately debated thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's weird that we have a problem with this because there is there is no, other, there is no like, side B theology. Yeah. Them, you know? Um, but yet, this is an issue, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So, um, and also, I, I would advocate for one thing that I'm pushing the church for is, as well as, if you believe, if you want to increase black and ethnic minorities, people, where's the budget for it? We all know. I mean, I, 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 I'm assuming Great we're question. all this. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm assuming we're all. Um, we know that when you ask someone, what do they find most important? You say, where is your, what, what, what do you spend your money on? Where do you put your money? Yeah. And actually, if it's no budget line, then they don't actually care. It's just, you know, uh, um, a goal um, a, a goal is just a dream if it has no plan. Yes. So. Yeah. It's too a tweet. Um, yes, because we were looking at, so we were looking at Bishop, um, there was a tweet from one of the bishops this week um, about their kind of goals and their commitment to race. Um, but we, it was, uh, we were talking about this, weren't we, Kate? And saying yeah. that it's quite sort of high level, but not very specific and not very tangible. And how do you actually measure success? Um, acknowledging and repenting about other church involvement in it. That's important. Um, and then working with others to bring about change is good. But then what is the specific tangible thing that's going to say, OK, we have moved this conversation on. We have, we have repented and we have yeah. moved forward. And how can you measure your success? To me, I thought, I, I love that you're saying this, but I would love to see a tweet that said, we hope to support 20 ordinands over the next five years who are B-A-M-E. We did um, speak, we did talk about that yesterday um, as we Cliff Hall's equality and diversity session on, on race. Um, Calvert Prentice did mention um, positive action as against positive discrimination. Quoted. Laura of... loves a quota. Ah, exactly. A quote. Yeah, yeah. I do love a quota. I... I think you know we can talk about positive discrimination, but I think a quota makes does does make change. Yeah, yeah, and I think 
if you have, for example, if you have a quota or if you want to go by positive action, it, it is actually saying we want to do this and we are committed to it financially yeah. to ensure that blah, 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 blah happens, which, as you rightly said, we are not seeing now. One of the questions that we wanted to ask is for um, for fellow ordinands. So for you know, for me, for Kate, for the the old the whole ordinand squad. If you had one piece of advice to us at this stage of our training, um, what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, you could think of it. I watched the Netflix TV show called Dear White People. So if you were going to say, Dear White Ordinands, what do you want to tell us? Oyen, you go first. We gave you ages to think about this, Oyen. We're giving you at least I half know. an hour. Um, oh, gosh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm going to look at you ladies because we, we're at live together. I am one of you. Do not see me any differently. Please. Just that one. That's a great one. That's a love, Oyen. Kiss, kiss. Kiss, kiss. <laughs> I just gave Oyen an air kiss. But you won't see that on the podcast. Um... But we did some visual description for you there. Yeah, you're welcome. But thank you, Augustine. What about you? What would you want to tell us? I would say that what is the vision, the last vision that John gives us um, in the book of Revelation? The vision that he gives us is this beautiful vision that Christ returns and every nation, every tribe, every language is together worshiping him. And the last vision that he gives us before his death is the vision of a table of this amazing Thanksgiving that we call the Eucharist. And that table is also brought up again in John's vision. And that table has every tribe, every nation, every language with the bridegroom. And that needs to be our vision. And your, I think for the ordinary, you have to see if you will sit at the table at your, you know, your literal and metaphorical table, who's at your table? If that table is just people who look like you, then you're not actually fulfilling God's mission. Because God's mission that he gave us is every, is to go onto all the earth. Not go into your influence circle, but go into the whole world. And it's that kingdom vision of John at Revelation that we should be our mission and our vision for our life and our king and, and the kingdom that God gives us. Isn't it funny that um, it talks about inviting people who you don't necessarily get along with? I find I find the scripture really funny. It's like, are you kidding? I don't want to. I don't invite him for him. But when we sit together, I think in um, in Psalms it talks about you know we sit together and our our enemy becomes our friend. Mm, yeah. It's the, it's the friendship building nature of the table. and powerful and so we wondered if you would just give us um if you would uh, share those words with us this afternoon um, and also the, the woman who read the poem um 
is Reverend Dr. Rosalind Murphy. Um, she is my main mentor in the Church of England at the moment. Um, I cannot read as good as Dr. Murphy. She's American, I'm not. So um, pardon me, please, if my flow is not as good as hers. But this is the poem in my words. And um, I wrote this after watching the video of George Floyd. So this is one of those poems that you... So I woke up in the morning. First thing I did was grab my phone, bad habit, looked at Facebook. And the first thing that I saw that morning was that video. And then the next thing I did was to just put my heart out. Um, yeah, hopefully it will, it will help people. I cannot breathe. Strip me of this accursed black skin. I want to live in peace. I watched this video with emotions that I can't describe. But America, why? England, why? I watched this fully aware that I am black living in a white world. I am black in a white college. I am black in a white country. I am black and to many I am wrong. For this I cannot breathe. For how long will this injustice prevail? Slavery, oppression, repression, murder, genocide. Does God ever curse the oppressors of his people? Or does he simply look away? If this is the God of the Exodus, isn't it time he drowns Pharaoh? Isn't it time he destroys Pharaoh's army of brutal oppressors? If only for a moment, so allow me to take the breath of life. But nay, this white, washed, blue-eyed Jesus appears to side with the oppressors. He is the oppressor. They've changed the hue of his skin changed his hair, changed the color of his eyes. He belongs to them. They are his oppressors. How can I believe when I cannot breathe? I cry at the death of my people. I weep beneath the weight of the hopelessness of being brown, labeled black, somehow being born wrong. Oh, strip me, please, strip this accursed melanin off me. For a chance to live in peace, I'll willingly shed the skin for a chance to breathe. But I can't breathe. My life, like a wobbly, fluttering flame, is snuffed out. I have no power. I cannot breathe. I die daily at the hands of those who hold the guns, who hold the Bible, who hold the wealth, who hold the power. I cannot breathe because I'm black. This white man's knee remains ever constant on my neck, blocking my airways, stifling my screams, ignoring my pleas. I cannot breathe. I cannot breathe. I, I, I cannot breathe. God of my ancestors, where are you? God of the heavens, where are you? As for this blue-eyed Jesus, he and his comrades, they are silent and their eyes have looked away. I cannot. I cannot breathe. Thank you so much. What struck me the first time that you, that I saw 
your mentor read it was when you talked about the fact that we've made Jesus blonde with blue eyes. But actually what struck me that time was that you cannot breathe because it's the white people who hold the power in our world. Well, sadly so. Hmm. <laughs> it's really powerful, Oyen. Thank you so much. Isn't Thank it? you. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your words with us. Yeah. Thank you. say thank you both so much for your time this thank afternoon you. um it's been really yeah it's, it's been, been a, a real pleasure, pleasure to, to meet someone new make a new friend and get to chat to Oyen again <laughs> thank you, you thank so you much um yeah thank you laura it's been lovely thank you Kate. thank you augustine it's been lovely thank, thank you Oyen. it's been lovely say Actually, goodbye to the loyal nice. fans oh. say bye Oyen. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. 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 goodbye thanks everyone thank